National House of Horrors. Valued guests, and welcome back to the International House of Horrors podcast, your sanctuary spooky for all things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre. I am one of your curators here at the house, Joe Merle. And I'm the other one. I'm Josh. Hi, Joe. What's up, man? How is it yeah, going? It's how's, uh, going how's, good. Um, how's Germany? <laughs> Germany is doing okay, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, the world is, is kind of ended, but I went out today for a walk, and it kind of was... Uh, it, it was nice, and it's great weather today, so that's, it that's is, awesome. It is amazing what a little bit of sunshine will do for your overall well-being. It really yeah. is crazy. A little bit of sunshine and fresh air. We went out a couple of days ago. We took a nice, uh, warmed up quite a bit, so we took a nice hike through the woods, walked a couple of miles. It was um, it was wonderful, man, yeah. But you're right. The world is in a in a unique place, but we're, we're still doing it. Still, This yeah. is actually, you know, I hate to make light of the situation, but the perfect scenario for people like us who just want to sit around and watch movies all day it's like hey <laughs> yeah i can i can do that i can i'm um, on two weeks vacation starting tomorrow and i don't have anything to do out of that watch movies all day nice <laughs> just sit around hang out watch movies uh and they are releasing a lot of movies or are you guys getting the early releases like we are uh no i don't think so like so far not really no we're we're kind of waiting it out because usually the the ones that were early released for you they weren't even scheduled to come out in cinema until later this year so we're still waiting that's true because we got the hunt and the invisible man i rented both of those they were twenty dollars a piece to rent them this a couple weeks ago i think we've talked since then or did a show since then but this was um so those ones like a premium rental price you pay twenty dollars and then you get to keep it for 48 hours oh so for the early access basically right and i think they're doing the same with trolls world tour is releasing digitally the same day it was set to release theatrically so they are releasing and and there's a lot of VOD stuff that's getting pushed up. I know Sonic the Hedgehog releases on VOD next week. I don't know if it's going to be to rent or just to buy, but that's a lot earlier than what they had initially anticipated. The same with Harley Quinn. It's like everything's just hitting, hey, watch this at home right away. <laughs> yeah, you're, so you're lucky right. there. We're we're like in a back country here. We just got Disney Plus this week, so that's I know. something. <laughs> You guys are like our, our, you know, a distant cousin or someone who lives way out in the boonies somewhere, like out in the <laughs> yeah. boondocks. They don't, they don't hear about stuff until months after, after it actually happens. But no, that's exactly. good. You got Disney Plus. I, I don't know if it hit where all it hit. I know it was already in. I don't know because my brother. I was talking to him earlier. He was over in Japan and they couldn't get it either when it first came out. So I feel like there was a couple other markets that still don't have it. But I'm glad you guys have it now. So what yeah, have you watched? What have you too. what have you watched on Disney Plus since you've gotten uh, Disney Plus? Um, well, actually, I've, I've uh, fired like Disney Plus uh, came out on the twenty uh, on the twenty fourth. So that's four days ago. Okay. I already did the first season of The Simpsons. <laughs> nice and uh, a few a few more episodes of season two. Uh, I watched um, some episode of the of the uh, kids show Recess. 
that I oh, loved yeah. as a kid. Yeah, it's a solid show. Uh, also, I watched uh, the original Aladdin, and uh, that, uh, that's just a great movie. Yeah, that's a solid um, one. Good music, good animation. Robin Williams is just phenomenal Robin throughout. Robin Williams is the yeah. best, yeah. <laughs> he really was um, amazing in that. And I watched uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I had never Very seen. Very nice. You've never seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, oh, I've never that's seen amazing. it until... what did you, What did you think about it? It's Actually, it's amazing, the special effects of like how they integrated. The, you don't even realize that it's not real. <laughs> Right, that that Things you know, there. these are hand-drawn <laughs> cartoons over top of, over top yeah. of film, and you know we're a horror podcast. We're talking about Roger Rabbit and Disney Plus, but <laughs> it used to scare the crap out of me when I was a kid when he would get flattened by that steamroller yeah. at the end. Oh, I hated well, that. Hated up until that. that point, spoilers, I guess. Up until that <laughs> point, you think he's a, a human, and that would be like the worst. And then yeah, luckily he's, uh, he's yeah, he gets out of it. Yeah, I don't know if you got to say spoiler alert for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This, I mean, <laughs> well, it's been a I long had time. not seen it. <laughs> ah, that's fair. So I guess there's somebody else out there who probably hasn't seen it either. Uh, but that's cool, man. I mean, are you going to watch The Mandalorian? Yeah, I'm. I'm planning on watching that with my roommate together, so we have something to do. Because over here, that, that's something really weird. It comes out weekly. <laughs> oh, okay. Which yeah, is how we, I mean, that's how it released for us. It was weekly when it, but that was months and months ago. Yeah, that it, that it came problem. out weekly. <laughs> uh, but I guess okay. they're they're still scared that people are gonna take the test week and then uh, uh, skip after they watch the Mandalorian. <laughs> right. And now, is there an option in Germany for German dubs on most things? Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm actually uh, excited. They also have the English dubbed version as a uh, as like the the original versions. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't I know so if it far. would be considered English dubbed because most of it <laughs> yeah. is English to begin well, with. Well, m most of it is uh, is um, uh, animated though, so it's kind of a dub. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But it was an original English voiceover. We'll say that. So yeah. when they when yeah. they drew the mouths, the mouths typically matched up with the language that was coming out. But that's cool yeah. though. I'm glad you guys have that over there. Give you something to do, something to explore a little bit while you're yeah. while you're on lockdown. While we're all on lockdown. But today we are going to continue on our list of the hundred and one horror movies you must see before you die. So this uh, week we're going to be going through numbers forty one through fifty. There is some really cool shit on this list. A couple things yeah. I'm very excited to talk about that I had not seen before. So I am excited to get there. But why don't we just kick it off, man? Start with the uh, the number 41 spot that really needs no introduction. There's a few of these on this list where I'm like, it needs no introduction whatsoever. Uh, yeah. And the first one up is 1968's Rosemary's Baby. And this is our second Polanski movie, right? Yeah, we the just first had, one was... Uh, uh, Repulsion. Repulsion, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and yeah, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby. I mean, it's it's great. What is there to say about it? Like, this is, it, it's just perfect in in so many ways. Like, this is the the best, uh, not not the best, but it's one of the best Devil Possession movies. Well, is it Devil? But yeah, Possession? I was gonna what? say you wouldn't call it Devil Possession. It's more uh, yeah, like uh, a, a cult. A cult, yeah, cult yeah. movies. Yeah, that that works better. Yeah, and it's. Uh, we we had uh, wasn't it just last week when we talked about um, now I forgot the name the the one with uh, Christopher Lee in a in a good guy role that was uh, last week right yeah yeah that was last week that was um, the Devil Rides Out or oh, the, Devil's the Devil Bride. Rides Bride 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that was kind of kind of similar, but this is even more haunting, I would say. I think this will, the reason Rosemary's Baby works so well, and again, it's always hard for me with Plansky. Like all the stuff that's happened with him recently, I really do feel like fuck that dude. Like he he yeah. really kind of makes me mad. But there's also so many other people who are tied into this movie, and so I'm trying to you know just kind of separate him from what had happened. But I think what makes Rosemary's Baby work so well, especially in contrast to The Devil Rides Out, where you had you know it was kind of sat off in the countryside, secret huge manor, you know, that everybody was hanging out and doing these cult things. Rosemary's Baby brings it right into the real world where I feel we yeah. hadn't really seen yet. We're in this, you know, amazing apartment building. Everybody's kind of, you know, high end, very posh, everything like, oh, let me see your apartment. Like, this is wonderful. You got this over here, that over there. And so it brought... This idea of you don't know, even the sweetest person, your next door neighbor, the sweet little old couple could be Satanist trying to trying to get your baby. And it's yeah, a and fucking long movie though, too. I always forget how long Rosemary's baby is until I sit down to watch it. And I'm like, man, that really it's like two and a half hours long, I want to say. Somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, IMDB says two hours seventeen minutes, which is a lot. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, especially for a horror movie. And yeah. this one is I there's some psychological elements because I don't feel like we get a lot right up until the end. You don't really yeah, I, know I think, what's going to happen. I, I think if I remember it right, basically nothing really happens for like the first two hours of the movie. Where <laughs> yeah. you're, just, you're just following our lead. Uh, I guess her name is Rosemary. Yeah, Mia <laughs> um, Farrow. Mia Farrow did a yeah. great job in this one. Yeah, she she was great. And uh, you, This we, was kind of her breakout her. role. I think this was like her big kind of big let's, start. Let's, I want to say she had a couple things beforehand, but this was the one where she had the ability to really play the leading role. Yeah, I could, it, I it could. really was. Before that, like there's a movie called Secret Ceremony, Guns at, Bata, at Batazi. Yeah, there, there was nothing really. And then Rosemary's Baby was her... Yeah, her I, big I'd breakout performance. To this day, her biggest role as well, right? Like I would think I mean, so, she, because yeah. even though we're so many years away from it now, this movie was huge. Everybody, yeah. you know, it really scared people. This was, we kind of got into the satanic panic stuff throughout the 60s, and then it would carry on to the 70s. Uh, but it's a great movie. If you've never seen Rosemary's Baby, it really is solid. It it really is, and it's it's creepy even to this day. Yeah, I don't know if the end has as much punch for me as it ne once did. But probably not. No, it, but it's still it's still really good. It's still very creepy, yeah. very atmospheric. Keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time, kind of guessing what's really going on. Good performances across, so definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, and definitely do. The same year, our number forty two, we had a movie that I feel is superior to almost everything on this list it's what and you know it's so funny so we've got this i think it was not last christmas but maybe the christmas before shana's dad had bought us a portal the the facebook you know like uh video chat thing Have oh, you, seen okay. those? you know what i'm talking about so it's, it's got so, yeah. a big screen on it and anyway you can call people on it and it's like the camera tracks you and things like that. But he got us one and then got one for themselves so that we could chat back and forth, you know, with the baby being up here and whatnot. And yeah. I started thinking, I'm like, what else can Portal do? And so I started looking through the Portal apps because we had it set up in the kitchen. The baby and Shayna were chatting with her parents. And 
I found the the YouTube app and I was like, oh, so I pulled it up. I was like, I wonder how good it's going to look. So I opened it. The first thing I punched into YouTube was Night of the Living Dead. And I just let the movie just play. It doesn't matter. I just put it on in the background and Shane and I were eating dinner and it was still kind of playing in the background. And I, I told her, I said, you know what I love about this movie? And she goes, what's that? I said that, well, she, she started the conversation. She said, you know what I love about this movie? And I said, what? She goes, it starts right away. Like, you're immediately just thrown yeah. right into it, you know? Night of the Living Dead starts within five minutes. You've already got a ghoul on screen. Shit's going crazy. Stuff's already going south. And I said, you know what I love about this movie? She goes, well, I said, I've seen this movie probably, I, I would not doubt that I've seen this movie close to 200 times. Of those times, you know, actively watching the movie. I'll yeah. throw it on in the background. But there's a lot of times I'll just sit and watch Night of the Living Dead. And what I love about it is that even after all those times watching it, this movie never loses anything for me. It's always there. It is always fucking good. Every single yeah. time that I watch it. And I don't it never even, gets boring. It's, no, it's, and just, it's, it's crazy that it never... That, and it's so, you know, for this little group of guerrilla filmmakers to find acting talent that did so well... To be able to make a horror movie where you don't really get a ton of... I, I want to say the only time we really get the gore is when we get the shot of all of them outside. Eating the intestines. You get some close-ups yeah. on their faces. After the, the car most, exploded. Yeah. Right, right. But for the most part, it's... Yeah, they got barbecue after the, uh, <laughs> the car blew up. But for the most part, it's them, you know, kind of off in the distance. You get the ghouls a little bit farther. Yeah, there's some makeup on there. But Romero, Russo's story is is just so good. And I did pick up the, the novelization of this one I can't wait to read. And then my other thing has always been, and you and I did a whole episode, a commentary episode on this, and here we are talking about it again. But I love the, the radio and the TV broadcast going on throughout the whole movie. That has always just been, I, it fits so perfectly in this world. You know, this crazy score in the background. You got these heavy shadows everywhere, and then you constantly have these news bulletins breaking in. Like, we're going to stay on the air. We've now linked together all news networks to be on 24 hours a day. Uh, it's just, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, top three for me movies of all time. Yeah, the same for me. Like, this this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, and I love it to death, and I can watch it. Like, th this is one you can literally just throw on, like you said, and just yeah. watch it, have it run in the background. Show it to people who haven't seen it for some reason, and it's <laughs> right. it's it's always great. And it's there. There's nothing that like for normal people would say like this is a great movie. It's like in black and white. It's from the sixties. It doesn't have much gore in it, but still, even like people who are not into movies as much, they still appreciate and kind of love this movie once yeah. they watch it. Because yeah, I've, just, I've yet to find somebody who didn't thoroughly enjoy it. And even if you're not watching it, just having the music in the background for me, that dun, 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 dun. Uh, it's yeah, just all there, man. And, you yeah, know, and I know I'd share the, with the you. The opening, when, when a car drives along the road yeah. and you hear the music and the gong, every bum, time bum, I live bum, next to bum. a church, and <laughs> yeah. every time I, he I heard uh, the, the church bells, I still kind of think of this movie. It's Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's one that I will continue to watch all the way up until I'm no longer on this earth, I am sure. Because, <laughs> yeah. like I said, it's, and, and as much as I love, you know, I'm looking at my giant Michael Myers over there in the corner. As much as I love Halloween, and I do love that movie, is one of my kind of foundational horror movies. I feel that Night of the Living Dead has more rewatchability. It's, you know, yeah. I could watch yeah. Night of the Living Dead almost back to back. Watch it and then watch it again and be fine. Whereas with Halloween, yeah. I might watch it and then be like, okay... I'm going to move on. But this one, 
It's just all there, man. It's amazing. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you want to hear I us can, talk I, very in-depth, <laughs> we did a whole commentary <laughs> episode about it. Yeah. And I'm not sure I told this before on the show, but I actually, the job I'm in now in my uh, in my interview, I was asked to because I'm I'm selling insurance, <laughs> so right. I was asked at the interview to sell my favorite movie, and I decided to not go with Brain Dead because that would be <laughs> too much. So I picked Night of the Living Dead because that was the first one that popped into my head, and I got a job, and I'm working. <laughs> I've been working there for two years after selling Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> nice. And that's a great thing to sell, man. If you're going to sell it, that's a great thing to sell. Yeah, it's it's easy to sell. <laughs> um, so let's see. Moving on to our next one. So this is a movie I just came off of. I just finished watching this. Shane and I sat and watched it together while the baby was taking a nap. And it was a quick watch, too. I think this was only about an hour and 17 minutes long. It's, yeah, it's, not long. it's, it's one of the couple on this list that I hadn't seen. Actually, the next one, two, three are all the only ones that I hadn't seen. Leading up to this, this one I picked up. They had it on iTunes, a Criterion version of it. And I said, whatever, I'm just going to end up buying. I'm just, why rent it? You know, I'll just buy it in case I want to watch it later. So I ended up buying it. I'm sure I will go back and watch this again just to try and figure out what the fuck is going on in this movie. Uh, but from 1970, we've got Valerie and her Week of Wonders. This fucking yeah. movie is... <laughs> I I don't even know... <laughs> it's, it's, I don't even know where to start. Because is it all a dream? Is it... You know, there's so much going on. It, it None of it seems linear. Everything... It seems like very non-linear events that are taking place. And... <laughs> Dreamlike in nature, for instance, so when she finds the guy two times, she finds him first chained up with his hands outside of the fountain. When yeah. she finds her her brother, I guess, I don't know if it's really her brother or not. And then when she finds him in the water, but we never see, like when he's chained up outside the water fountain, she just pulls his hands right out of the shackles. Like <laughs> yeah. the shackles weren't holding him. And then when he's tied up in the water, getting the water run all over him, the camera like moves for one second, it comes back, and he's completely free. So I, I don't know how much of this movie you can even trust as being reality. Almost yeah, everything I mean, seemed like a dream. I, I was wondering, like one of the uh, one of my favorite things of the movie is that the uh, the grand the great mother, uh, her grandmother, she's she's played by a young actress with just gray hair, gray and hair, I was wondering, like white makeup all over her face. Yeah. <laughs> And and I was wondering why did they pick uh, such a young woman uh, to play her? And then later on, she pretty early she turns younger, and right. then it it kind of made sense why they did that. But it's still it's it's kind of this whole movie is very uh, surreal. Even though absolutely, it's, yeah, it's uh, I I think it's uh, uh, Russian as well from the Soviet Union. It's uh, Czechoslovakian. Oh, from Czechoslovakia. Okay, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's. I, I I read something somewhere that it's kind of Alice in Wonderland, but like it's all but it's, like it's it's Alice in Wonderland. It feels very anti the church or anti any sort of organized religion. Also, themes of budding sexuality in there on our lead actresses on Valerie's part because she even yeah. says at one point like, "Oh, I just got my period." And everybody's just fucking kissing each other right on the mouth throughout this movie. Like, mother, daughter, doesn't matter. Tongue kiss each That's other. That's how you do it. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Uh, it's a super weird movie, man. And the I don't know is... that... 
I mean, yeah, there's some horror elements in there. Sure, there's vampires that show up for a little while. Seems like some dark yeah. magic, wizardry that's going on. I don't know if she was a witch the whole time or wanted to be a witch. <laughs> she she seemed to have magic powers, you know, eat a pearl and then disappear from a burning stake and show back up where she was. Was that all a dream? I, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know, man. I'm, I'm at such a loss with this movie. Yeah, who can say? But I liked it's- it. I didn't dislike it. It's just, it's almost like a fever dream. It yeah, really is just yeah, chaos just similar everywhere. to like similar to Alice in Wonderland, where it's just like everything is weird and nothing really makes sense. But like there right. is a plot you can follow, and that's what I like about it as well. Is you kind of even though nothing really makes sense, you can still kind of follow the plot of like there's this girl, she lives with her grandmother. Uh, the grandmother sells her uh, to uh, be turned uh, young again. Uh, to this vampire and then there's this whole subplot uh, this whole plot about this vampire and his helper yeah and she is fighting him it's it's hard to explain really the whole plot it's, i mean but because and a lot of the things that and all of a sudden he's a ferret just out of nowhere he gets turned into a ferret they keep saying the polecat's coming but the vampire even the main the bishop and all throughout this, we're getting contradictory stories about who's whose parents, where everybody came from. And the vampire says, well, you can't kill her. She's the key to our salvation or something like that. And at one point, you know, this like she's even friendly with people who just tried to rape her. That was a really weird scene where the <laughs> yeah. the, the priest who ever like opens his thing and he's got a necklace of bones i i think and he's like doing this weird he almost looked like wild bill in silence of the lambs doing that weird <laughs> sexy dance i'm like that's super bizarre but okay you make yeah. it happen movie's strange the, man it's strange. the whole movie is strange but uh yeah it's i i really was excited to watch it like it's kind of something it's it's really fun to watch it's like completely bonkers but it's <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know it's 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 not really a horror movie, but uh, it's it's kind of a horror in the same way that uh, Wish uh, We V the the one we watched last week. The, oh yeah, um, that's also kind of more of a dark fairy tale and not really that scary. And right. the same one here, it's like more just surreal and fun. It's it's more of a fairy tale, really. That's yeah, what I, I agree. what I'd say. Definitely but, more of a fairy tale, a really weird fairy tale at that. Yes, yeah, so, but yes. Uh, so uh, when we started off this list, we we always kind of talked about why this fits on the list. I mean, with Rosemary's Baby and Night of the Living Dead, we don't really have to talk about that. They no. they they need to be on that list. But so, what do you think about Valerie uh, and her Week of Wonders? Is it? <laughs> I, I I think part it belongs on the list only because of there are some horror elements to it. Specifically, we're dealing with vampires who bite people and suck their life essence out of them. So that's definitely a horror element. You're dealing with witches. It it seemed like there was some wizardry and dark magic in there as well. But yeah, this, this reminded me more of legend than anything else. It was like kind of spooky, but there was more fairy tale than not. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, I know what you mean. So, uh, would you say it's worth watching? <laughs> would you say like this is one you have to watch before you die? No, because I, I, I don't. I would never tell somebody you absolutely have to see this. It's essential horror viewing. You and I talked a little <laughs> bit. What was it last? Um, I think it was after we recorded last week when I was getting ready for this week, looking at all the movies, and I was like, "What in the literal fuck?" When I started working through the list, that Black Christmas isn't on the list. To me, that's. <laughs> 
that's so important. I get it. Like they have Halloween on the list and everybody, you know, Bob Clark and John Carpenter had talked about Black Christmas. There are the stories that Carpenter was inspired a little bit by what Bob Clark had said he would do as a sequel. Like, hey, what if they catch Billy and then he escapes and comes back? Very Halloween in nature. So maybe, but some of these, like Valerie, I, yeah, it was cool, but I don't even know if it belongs on this list. I don't see why it's so important to horror. I, I really, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, maybe, maybe because it was, I, I wish I had the book here, but I, it's still in the library. I, I didn't get to it. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing maybe, uh, because it shows horror again from a whole nother country because, most of I, this list is very American centric, right? So. And I, I want to say that is one of the reasons they had when I looked it up. Because I read the wiki right after I finished watching it just to see, because I was curious, like, why is this so important? And then you go down when I was reading through the reception piece of it. Um, let yeah. me see. The critical reception, um, maybe the most exotic flower to boom, bloom on the grave of the Prague Spring, but it's one with deep roots in 20th century Czech culture. So maybe that's it, that it's, you know, more of a global thing as different countries. Even when we were talking about Vi or V, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. You know, it was the first horror movie to come out of the Soviet Union. So yeah. that was, the you know, important in that way. But then it right here it says on the Wikipedia, in the book 101 Horror Films You Must See Before You Die, author and professor Brunel University at Brunel University, Tanya um, Krizminska. Krizminska, I think is how you'd say her name, called the film an exquisitely crafted fairy tale woven around the sexual awakening of a young woman. And also noted that although the film shared many similarities with softcore pornographic films of the period, <laughs> it seeks a broader canvas and a blend of attributes drawn from both high and low culture. So yeah, and she said it pulled from gothic horror and fairy tales, as well as its use of symbolic imagery was very important. So it is what it is. I, I don't know if I completely agree with her on that one, but hey. Yeah, but it's it's worth watching. I'd say uh, if if you want to see something weird and different, <laughs> check it out. I, I yeah. really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike any of it. I was just the whole time like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on here? This is <laughs> yeah. really weird. I'm not sure yeah. what's happening, but it's okay. And it didn't get better. And you always right. think like maybe at the end we, we know what's going on. And nope. no, it's... <laughs> no, nope. you get no sort of resolution at the end of this thing. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving on to our next one, number 44. Again, this is one I had not seen before, but you had seen. You were you were I real excited. Yeah. You yeah. were real excited when I said I hadn't seen it. You're like, oh, I think you're really going to like this thing. It is The Abominable Dr. Fibes. And I did really like this. So stars... Um, Vincent Price plays our lead in this thing. He plays Dr. Fibes. And the story revolves around his wife had, he was, was it, he was racing home. He heard she was, was she in the accident or did he get in she an accident? Was, I think they were both in the accident or like, he was they like, both had no, an accident he was, yes, she, she was going to die. He was racing home and then got in a car accident. That's what disfigured uh, him is yeah. what had happened. And so Dr. Fibes, played by Vincent Price, so good in this thing, too, because he never talks. He's got a voice box thing that he had figured yeah, be, out. Be, because, yeah, he, he has this he, he has this whole phonograph that he just puts into his into his neck. 
Yeah. And then it 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 gives his voice and Right. It's it's amazing. And it is. It it really helps because his voice is amazing and not hearing him at all would be horrible. But like this is kinda kinda genius to just have like one this. of the most iconic voices in all of yeah. horror history. For sure. For sure. And so he blames the surgeons, everybody who was attached to the hospital, the doctors, everyone that had tried to save her but failed. He blames all of them. So starts concocting all of these plans based on biblical plagues to <laughs> yeah. kill off all of these doctors, which is uh, it's it's just so much fun from start to finish. <laughs> and it's a lot of comedy, too. A lot of yeah. horror and a, a lot of comedy. And I wonder if that's not why this is on this list. Is it, you know... One of the earlier, well, you say because you had the the Universal stuff like Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman and and but stuff that's like a, that. Another kind of comedy, right? Yeah, this it's more is slapstick. Like, yeah, whereas this, this is, is like more actual black. dark comedy. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely more of a uh, a black black comedy. It's got Joseph Cotton in it as well, who I really enjoy. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with Joseph Cotton, but he was in. Um, let me think of the. I know he was in Citizen Kane, and I want to say he was in Soylent Green, and he was also in The Third Man with uh, Orson Welles. Oh, okay. Yeah, so him yeah, and I've, Welles I've seen together. all these movies, but I, I don't recognize him right away, but that was like 30 yeah, he years played, before. In so. this one, he played Dr. Vesalius. Yeah, so he, I, yeah, I know, the, the, the old doctor, yeah. So uh, all these other movies were like 30 years before, so I can't really picture him right now in those movies. Right, but, and I'm uh, seeing right here there's a sequel, Dr. Fibes Rises Again. I've never seen yeah, that one. I, I don't. I don't remember what I. I have seen that, and I own it on DVD. And I don't remember what how he comes back and what he does in this one because, actually, the the first movie is a pretty like it's it's a plot. He has a plan and he goes through with it. Yeah. And then at the end he goes into a. I I think I remember that at the beginning of the next one he just gets out of the casket again. That he goes in in the. That's what the movie. the synopsis says. You know, the vengeful doctor rises again, seeking the scrolls of life in an attempt to resurrect his deceased wife. Oh, and okay. I gotta so say while... this, this you know was like very early, almost saw like in nature with some of the traps that he was building and the different contraptions. Yeah. Reminded yeah. me a lot of. Uh, a lot of saw, but and the effects in this are so good in the makeup when Fibes, you know, takes his mask off and he's <laughs> we see him underneath, just yeah. super cool. And I love his uh, his uh, electrical uh, um, no me mechanical band yeah. that he has yeah. just sitting there, and like they they already look kind of kind of creepy, and then they they start doing this playing this happy music basically. And I love the movie ends on like somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> I know. It was so weird. Even Shayna, I was watching it and she was, she wasn't really watching it with me, but I was sitting there watching it and she's like, is that somewhere over the rainbow? And I said, yeah. So it kind of came on, uh, came on out of nowhere, but he, um, he absolutely nails it. You know, Price, I've never seen a Vincent Price role that I wasn't absolutely impressed with. The guy yeah, was he just can do no wrong. No, he had so much charisma and just on-screen presence. You put the camera on him and you can't look away. He's just yeah. he's so good. So this one, I would say definitely watch. This one's a must-watch. And I found this on. I want to say the whole thing's on YouTube, so you can watch it. it uh, be, watch yeah. it all there. 
Yeah, it's 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 just such a fun movie. Yeah, and it's I mean everything Vincent Price really is worth watching just because of him alone. And like right. you, you talked about, like he has this presence, like he can be mute on the mo- uh, in, on screen. And by the way, not only does this movie start ten minutes without dialogue, after ten minutes it's the first time we have dialogue, but also Fives talks for the first time thirty minutes into the movie, right? And he's still already present. And then you hear his voice, and like even just his voice alone makes you uh, fall in love with him. So he's kind yeah, of the, it's, the best it's, there is. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. And even after last week, coming off a of Mask of the Red Death, uh, like you said, Vincent Price, the man could really do no wrong. Even yeah. on the... Have you ever gone back and watched his episode of The Muppet Show? When he was no. on The Muppet Show? If you get a chance, find that. It's really <laughs> good. It's really okay. good. Vincent Price surrounded by puppets. Still being oh. Vincent Price. It's it's amazing and worthwhile. Oh, that, that, that sounds amazing. He he is because he also I, what I've heard is that he's just like this lovable guy. Yeah, like, everyone there, anyone I no ever one, heard talk about him said the same thing. Yeah, no one said anything bad about him. And even uh, on the trivia for this movie, it said as like uh, Joseph Cotton was kind of uh, on on one part he was uh, um, angry at. Uh, or not angry, but kind of mad at Vincent Price because he didn't have to learn any of his lines because right. he was just <laughs> mute. And Vincent Price uh, uh, countered by saying that even though he doesn't have to, he still knows all the lines of this movie. Right. And then I read on the trivia that that's something he's he was known for that he knew all the uh, all the lines of all the people in the movie he was in movies he was in. That's amazing. Uh, it's probably why he was he's, able to do it so good. I mean, if you know what's coming, you know, you can act the hell out of it. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh it's a must watch. Check out Dr. Fibes. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Um, and then next up, the last one I had not seen on this list from 1971, Daughters of Darkness. So I'm out here. I don't know nothing about this movie. I uh, couldn't find it at all. I've heard it's about vampires. <laughs> so this movie is very interesting in that, well, first off, I had to watch it in a super shitty way. The only way I could watch it was on Daily Motion, which had advertisements every 10 minutes, I would say. Like every 10 minutes. Oh, shit. So yeah. it got broken up quite a bit. Um, you have a young couple who just got married and they're passing through, I can't remember where they were on their way to. I think they had gone through Bruges and then were on their way to somewhere else. But they end up at this old hotel out of season. So they get the the big suite at the top. They're up there having a great time. The man is acting really weird about he doesn't want his mother to know that he's married. And him and the there's a lot of sex in this movie. Like a lot of naked people, a lot of sex in this movie. <laughs> and so they're there by themselves for a while. And then this countess shows up with her ward of some sort, some woman who's with her, but we quickly piece together that the woman who's with her is almost enslaved to her. Like she can't just leave. She can't just take out. We don't know hundred percent why yet. So the countess becomes enamored with this young couple and the rest of the movie is them leading up to the, the countess we learn is a vampire. I, I guess that's, that's an easy way to put it. The countess is a vampire and now wants this this young couple. A whole bunch of people die along the way, and it ends on a very strange note. I won't reveal the ending. I shouldn't say strange. I guess you might be able to see where it's going. Kind of makes sense, but I I don't know about this one. Again, it's one of those ones that 
I'm not sure I would put it on the list. Like it's it was okay, it was fine, but I don't know why it was put on this list. Like I don't know I, if it was because of the the sexuality of it, like the that piece. I don't know. Now while while we're talking through it and now talking about all these movies, I feel like even though like yeah, there there are lots of vampire movies, but I I feel like this book has too many vampire movies in comparison to how important they are for horror movie history. Right. Because now, just thinking back, and and all those vampire movies are the ones where we're thinking like, should this really be on there? Like with um with Valerie and her weeks of wonders, with uh, uh the the vampire. No, what, what's the name again? The the one. That we didn't like from like the first or second setting. Uh, number, oh yeah, um, just vampire. Yeah, vampire. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there are so many vampire movies in this uh, uh, thing. Although on the other hand, it's kind of cool to kind of see that there's so many vampire movies that aren't Dracula because yeah, usually for the most part it's Dracula, right? And that's that's so, what this is. I mean, it's a very kind of hypersexual. Vampire, and I'm looking right here, so I'm reading on, this is just from the wiki, but it says, Interpretation, the critic Camille Paglia writes in Sexual Persona the daughter, that Daughters of Darkness is a good example of a classy genre of vampire film that follows a style I call psychological high gothic. Paglia sees this abstract and ceremonious style which depicts evil as hierarchical glamour and deals with eroticized Western power as beginning in Samuel Taylor Coldridge's poem, um, Christabel, Edgar Allan Poe's short story. I don't know, even know how to say that one. <laughs> like you, I don't know. And Henry James's novella, The Turn of the Screw. Um, so yeah, it's okay. it's it's kind of. I don't know if this is important because maybe it was one of the first. You know, high. I don't want to say high brow, but more classy vampire movies where you don't have vampires hiding in the shadows. Like you said, yeah. this is a very different style of vampire movie because it is all like super sexual. The whole thing is just very erotic. The entirety okay. of the movie. Does it belong on the list? I still don't know. So, I, I, so is it kind of like, like taking the horror? Just the horror is just like a setting for the movie, but it's not really a horror movie. In this kind of way, where it's it is about vampires, but not really, and that's the uh, like yeah, uh, the same thing, about, like similar to Byzantium. Yeah, it's more you know about sexuality, I would think, than anything else. Especially the the young wife, her character, who is also called Valerie. Um, <laughs> it's it's worth a watch for sure. Check it out if you can find it. Absolutely, but. You know, some of these I just, I don't 100% agree with, I think. And maybe I'm just uneducated when it comes to why it is so important. But I'm just watching them as movies. You know, I'm not looking to dig too <laughs> yeah. deep. And this one, and it could be also a, a product of its time where you need to view it through that lens. So who maybe, knows? Maybe, yeah. But it's yeah, all right. I, check I, it out if you get a I chance. I want to check it out. I, I will I will check it out once I get my hands on it. Uh yeah, and sadly, the next one I also couldn't check out, even though I was sure I was watching it today. And yeah, it's uh, from 1972. It's uh, Plecula. Yes. And I was like, I entered into uh, into YouTube. I, I look, Because I looked if I can buy it anywhere and it's not available over here at all. It's not streaming. And shipping is really hard right now with, uh, with, everything, with everything going, going on. on. 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but I, I entered it into YouTube just like Plecula full movie. And I found something and said, Plecula Scream 1972. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, maybe that's like the, they, they hosted it as Scream something. I don't know. And I watched it. And then when I was almost done, I, I realized that this movie is called Scream Plecula Scream and it's the sequel. Yes. So I've seen the sequel to this movie. <laughs> but not the original. Uh, and yeah. interestingly enough, they did the sequel. They were up in the air. They were debating on doing a Frankenstein kind of black exploitation movie. and But they decided to stick with Blackula and do Scream Blackula Scream. And Blackula is very important in that... This is one of the foundational black exploitation movies. And so a whole yeah. subgenre that I've grown to love over the years. The plot's really simple. You have this guy from Africa goes to I want to say it's like Transylvania, I don't know, somewhere in Romania, but he he goes to Castle Dracula to try and get Dracula to stop bringing slaves in. He's trying to suppress the slave trade. And at that time, Dracula bites him, puts him in a coffin, and then seals up his wife in the in the crypt with him and says, now you just got to sit here until you die and watch him die. And then you get these really two, all these years later, you get these really flamboyant interior designers. These two men come in. They end up <laughs> opening up the casket. And now we've got Blackula, who's in a modern Los Angeles setting throughout the rest of the movie. It's very <laughs> silly. It is very silly, and I think some people might have a hard time with it because if you don't really know the black exploitation genre, if you don't understand what those movies were and what they were doing, what they were trying to do, this all seems a little bit ridiculous, you know. <laughs> but again, it's it's so important, and I think for me, one of the reasons, at least how I see it, is you never had black actors playing lead monsters. Up into this point, this is one of the first times. Sure, you had black actors in movies, in horror movies, but you never had them kind of playing the the villain and a monster. And this might be the first time we see it in a truly urban setting, you know, like mm -hmm. a, a street level Los Angeles, early 1970s type of setting. And so it's really cool. You get a lot of soul music in there, a lot of cool vampire kills, Blackula doing his thing, and a, a, a big... Uh, Another kind of thread, story thread that runs through this is he finds a woman who looks just like his deceased wife. So a lot of the movie is him trying to get her to be with him. Okay. Ah, okay. But and, it's great. Uh, that, yeah, that, that sounds fun. Like the, the sequel uh, is actually, was actually more serious than I expected. Like the Scream, Blackula Scream. Um, it was, it, it didn't do many jokes actually. Like it was... Uh, yeah, kind of just like uh, a too serious for for my taste, especially for expecting a movie called Plecula. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm ex I'm glad to hear that the original is uh, more more fun because yeah, that's it is. what I, I mean, was expecting. You got like you got like people in there like, hey man, that's a bad cape. You know, you have like <laughs> very early seventies dialogue, and. Um, and he, and you know the the lead who plays this thing, William Marshall, is fantastic as Blackula. Yeah, he does, and he, he has, has in the sequel. Yeah, he yeah. he has a great voice. Like I felt like his voice, he sounded almost like Christopher Lee in in a right. way. Like he had the same kind of sound to his voice. Yeah, so, very baritone type of voice. 
And it's, yeah, uh, exactly. it's, it's, it's fun, though. If you've never seen it, anyone listening has not seen Blackula, definitely check it out. Just know what you're getting into. I mean, it's an <laughs> yeah. early exploitation movie. It's, it's foundational, though. We, I don't think we'd have a lot of the exploitation like we did without Blackula coming out so early on the scene. It's wonderful, though. It's silly, but it's great. I will check it out once I get my hands on it. (laughs) Yes. So moving on. The rest of these I know you've seen. Yeah, Uh, I have. So next up we've got from 1972, very early Wes Craven. It is the last house on the left. And I love, I've always loved the poster for this movie. And even looking at the thumbnail now, you know, Mary 17 is dying. Even for her, the worst is yet to come. Like, you know... The, what does it say? It rests on 13 acres of earth over the very center of hell, the last house on the left. This movie is so raw and in your face that it's hard today to even watch this movie. It's it's yeah. still a tough watch because the, yeah. the the torture of these women is just brutal. Oh, it's fucking yeah, brutal. I feel like so. Th- this movie is a very... You can see that this is early Wes Craven. Like this feels amateurish and almost like homemade. Yeah. In, in a way, it 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 feels better than homemade, but in in a way, and this gr- gr- graininess of the the picture and also the the feeling that it's kind of homemade works really well for this movie because agreed with, with this kind of movie, like it's it's got a crueling long uh, rape scene. Uh, uh, that's that's just it it works much better than in a in a stylized high high quality movie you know if if i think they made a remake of that in like the 2000s yeah they i want to say it was even in like the the odd 10 somewhere i thought last house on the left was like 2013 or something like that i could be wrong it, it but yeah be. this I, one i'm gonna look it up real quick Last House yeah, on the Left, um, 2009. 2009. So, <laughs> yeah, so just before. And it's a movie yeah. that didn't need to be remade. There was no yeah. reason to remake and this movie. I, I think the, the, the remake, pro- I haven't seen it, but it probably will work less just because it doesn't feel as like, it. this one feels forbidden. It, it's banned in Germany, by the way. That and it kind of feels, me. yeah, it feels like one of those movies that is banned, should be banned maybe, like the this is one where it's kind of understandable that they banned it, right? And, I, I do uh, understand them banning this one. And as bad as the rape sequences, what always bothered me more than anything else is when they're out there in the woods and he tells that girl he's like pee your pants, like the the humiliation and the degrading yeah. of these people. And then you get you know it goes on one hell of a ride for the rest of the movie. After <laughs> yeah. after everything happens in the woods, I mean it really gets fucking crazy. So the, I, I'm yeah. surprised he got away with releasing this movie with some of the yeah, shit that happens in this movie. Yeah, for sure. And on the other hand, we get all these uh, these comedy scenes with the cops. With I oh, also the music in in general is w- yeah very strange. It, uh, it's a weird like mix, unsettling in a, in in a whole nother way because it's like all very happy uh, happy guitar music of like country music and in that kind of way. And it's it kind of doesn't fit this movie at all, which kind of works for this movie. I feel like like the the music and the comedy scenes with the cops they don't fit this movie at all, but that kind of works for this movie. I don't know why, but it it kind of works. It's it's a weird like balance of or it it's it almost makes you feel uncomfortable 
to have the happier sounds yeah. going on while this dark underbelly is taking place in the background. But it's a it's a great movie. It's not one that I watch a ton because, like I said, I feel it's still hard to stomach some of the stuff that yeah. happens in Last House on the Left. But I've seen it probably a dozen times. I'll you know I'll watch it every once every couple of years or so, only. Because I I don't know it's you know early Wes Craven I like to go back to it and see how it holds up and this is one that really never loses its punch it's always right there yeah and always I've only super seen creepy. it once so far because yeah it's banned over here but I got a steelbook like a year ago and then I watched it once and yeah I'm I'm good for now <laughs> yeah that's but the I thing got... is it's one of those ones where you can be good for a while you don't need to hurry yeah. up and and rush back. But um, I, got, okay. I spit on your grave sitting here waiting to be watched, like the original. So that's like... Oh, the, have you not seen the original? I spit on your no, grave? It's a fucking no. great movie. That's a great movie. And I, as much as... I, And I think I've talked about this before. I can watch almost anything on screen. Like, it doesn't really bother me as far as gore um, and stuff like that. But rape has always been very hard for me to watch. But I do like a good rape revenge movie where the yeah. woman, you know, gets her comeuppance and is able to enact some revenge. And I spit on your grave. Holy fuck. She really enacts her revenge. It's uh, it's crazy, but it's good. I, I got to see it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's so go moving on. on. Uh, Number 48. The, the next one. I actually don't care what you have to say about it because we both <laughs> have talked about it a lot. But you mentioned something last week that I now want to get back into. The yes. next movie on the list is The Exorcist from 1973. And we, we've talked about it. We've talked it to death. I With Filmhouse, I even made an episode on this movie. Yep. So, like, it, it is a great movie. Done. What, what did your daughter think of it? Okay. So this is, um, it was pretty exciting. So we had set up, her and I recently watched back-to-back -back the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Exorcist. Shayna and myself and Madison all sat. I told her, I said, hey, if you're going to watch these movies, phones get left on the counter. We're not going to have any distractions. So we put our phones away. We watched The Exorcist and she really liked it. She really enjoyed The Exorcist. But what she said at the end of it, she goes, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a much scarier movie. And I was I, I thought about it for a minute and I'm like, okay, okay, why why might she say that? And after, you know, really pondering it for a while, I think I agree with her. I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a much scarier movie than The Exorcist. And part of the reason is The Exorcist, and I'm not trying to take away from The Exorcist. It's a it's a fantastic movie. But some of those effects are starting to be dated. Some of the stuff, like she was kind of laughing when Regan was bouncing up and down on the bed. Like to her, that almost seemed comical. Whereas yeah. with Texas Chainsaw, and Will and I had talked about this a little bit, with Texas Chainsaw, they never had a budget in order to do any crazy effects. So there's nothing to look dated. There's nothing to go back to and be dated. Because we, I mean, all the blood you ever see in that movie is what? You get the hitchhiker cut in his hand. You get a little bit of spray when he's chopping up Franklin in the wheelchair. But for her, the scariest part of Texas Chainsaw was she's like, that dinner scene is really scary. When they all yeah. are putting their faces right up in Sally's face, you know, and Marilyn Burns, I've talked about it many times, when you get those chaotic shots of her eyes, those macro shots that are just, yeah. you know, nothing. You could see the veins in her eyeballs as she's frantically and you get those shots of the flies and things like that. So she enjoyed it. I want it. to watch the Texas Chainsaw I know. again. <laughs> I know. That's one you'll never have to twist my arm to watch again. But um, Blue Garish in Texas. Uh, still got that DVD. Um, but the the uh, 
The Exorcist, it a hundred percent needs to be on this list because yeah. at the time it scared the fuck out of people. You know, there was people who would cross the street to walk on the other side so they didn't have to pass in front of the movie theater where the Exorcist was playing because everyone was so terrified of this demonic possession and what might happen. In almost every other way, The Exorcist is a better movie. It's better shot. Um, you've got better acting talent. Ellen Burstyn absolutely just slays that role. She's so fantastic in that. And um, Nick Sponzido. Oh, yeah. He's, He's always, always good. And you know, this yeah. time around watching it, though, you can really see the makeup near the end really when he's oh okay yeah rewatching it and it's you know it was the 40th anniversary so it's the the extended one that we watched and you know they really cleaned that stuff up quite a bit i'm sure some of that makeup you wouldn't have seen in a standard definition you know yeah. you you wouldn't see it quite as well doesn't need to be on this list 100 without a doubt in my yeah. mind but according to my kid and i think i agree with her um the texas chainsaw massacre is the the scarier movie of the two Still yeah, does it. We'll get more into that next week because yeah, then I think yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre will be on the list. Yes. But yeah, the, the Exorcist is is amazing. And uh, the, the, yeah, what, what else to say about it? It's just awesome. And like, yeah, let's go on. All right. Uh, so number 49. I guess, 19, I, I guess 1973 was a good year for horror because after The Exorcist, we, we're following it up with The Wicker Man. Yes, uh, which, and we did uh, a whole we did a whole episode <laughs> um, yeah, the, about the, the big, Wicker Man, uh, the big horror musical. <laughs> stop, stop <laughs> it! It is not a musical, <laughs> even if you get some, even if you get some stuff in there. Um, it is. <laughs> it is not a fucking musical, Josh. Stop. Um, no, it's you know it's got music, but. To me, it doesn't really carry the way. Outside of the bar sequence, we did talk about that. I was kind of telling the story in the in the pub or the inn or wherever they were at. Wicker yeah. Man, though, that original, it's still a great movie. Still Another a great Another satanic movie. panic movie, yeah. That was it's, big at the time, man. It was, I mean, you look between the 60s and 70s. I believe a lot of these were a result of the counterculture and people yeah. being, being terrified. After everything had happened with Charles Manson, People started worrying about cults. You know, that was huge. We we all know the Manson story now, but at the time, can you imagine that just coming out? Like yeah. on the news, you're hearing that story for the first time. Hey, there was this cult of people, fuck, took a bunch of drugs, murdered a pregnant actress and a bunch of her friends in their house, smeared blood all over the walls and things like that. That would have been terrifying. It's, and yeah. the art usually follows life to a certain degree in a response to people trying to interpret these events that are happening in the world around them. And The Wicker Man, but I don't remember, when was Jim Jones? That wasn't in the 70s. That was in the 80s, right? In the uh, early oh, 80s? I actually couldn't say, but I, I look it up. Uh, but yeah, the um, no, I think that was after, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to say Jones it was the Town. 80s. Oh, 74 it started. But oh, that's it? when, oh, it, was, that's not when, when it, it was founded. Right. Yeah. So and that's not when he killed them all. Uh, yeah, so it was after 73, but yeah, 74 to 78. 78, the uh, big massacre happened. Ah, so crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, cults are kind of crazy. And uh, yeah, with the uh, Wicker Man, we're, we're following another another cult, and it's it's much better than the remake from 2007. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, it is. Even though the, the remake is kind of silly and fun to watch, it's... Um, it is, uh, it's just that, like Nicolas Cage being crazy over the top. But this original yeah. one is very 
very haunting. And that end sequence is, oh, it's just nightmare stuff, man. Because it's such a weird blend of like scary and happy at the same time. You know, you have this whole group of people singing and dancing and shit while you're burning people alive. That's fucked up. Yeah. It it really is, and like this this movie, uh, what's kind of crazy is that this director he did nothing else. He did a, a, a sequel in like 2010, I think, that really flopped and no one likes. But the director only did this one movie, really, and uh, this weird sequel, and nothing else. Hey, if you're gonna do it, do a good one, I guess. Do one and done. <laughs> if you're only gonna yeah. do one, make it a good one. But yeah, it's yeah, um, it's cool though. Yeah, and if you, if you, for anyone who has seen uh, Wicker Man, if you liked it, uh, which you did, of course, you should also <laughs> check out Midsummer, which is uh, really like I was watching Midsummer, and it felt just so much like the Wicker Man. You can really feel the influence there, and uh, see, it's and also I, great. I, I do not like Midsummer as much as you do. <laughs> I'm just not uh, not as big of a fan. Not as big you, of a fan. You're just you're just not as big of a horror fan. I'd I say. guess not. I must really be. Uh, I must really, really not be on it. Um, all right. So we're, why don't we get up to our uh, our last one on the list for today? So this is number fifty. So we're officially halfway there. Officially halfway there. Um, and I feel we'll continue on. We'll be good. We'll get all these knocked out, especially moving yeah. forward. Yeah, from, you know, it's going to be easier and, and easier. Yeah, it gets much easier, especially when I'm looking at so much good shit to talk about. I got to stop scrolling forward. Um, okay, <laughs> so our last one from 1973 again. So these last three were all from 73. You've got Don't Look Now, directed by, how do you say his name? Rogue? Rogue? Uh, I, I think maybe. So in, in Germany, if you do an O and an E right back to back, that's usually for that, for that O with the two dots above, which is Ö. Okay. So I, I, I always go like uh, Rug, but Rug. that's probably not Rug. not right. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Uh, Might be. Close yeah, he enough. was the cinematographer of that. Uh, what, what was it again? Uh, uh, the Mask of the Red Death. So uh, right. just like how, how many years later was it? So that was 64. And so nine years later, he made uh, a movie uh, himself that was on the list. Don't look now. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And I'm sorry, I'm just kind of looking through his uh, his filmography to see if there's anything else big that I saw. Witches, I really like witches a lot. Uh, yeah. But yes, Don't Look Now, 1973. This is psychological horror, I think, at its best. It really yeah. is. And you have these amazing performances from Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. They both just, I mean, show up, bring their A game. Sutherland's always good. I'm never mad when I really either Sutherland Kiefer's made some weird movies, but his dad, um, <laughs> his dad was a great talent. And this one, yeah. so you've got this married couple and where are they at? They're in Italy. Yeah. You got this married couple who is grieving the loss of their daughter. And we keep getting flashbacks to that throughout the, and I just saw this for the first time, maybe six months ago. Seven months yeah, ago. Yeah, I remember you 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 talking about it. Yeah, I I actually got to say I watched this like two or three years ago, and I don't remember everything. I still remember many scenes, uh, especially well, because a uh, lot ones of involving it, a little girl in a red uh, raincoat. Yeah, because a lot of this movie isn't horror at all. It's yeah. you know she's disappearing. A lot of it is him looking for her after she's gone for a while. It's them trying to deal with the loss of a child which uh, we would later see um, in Antichrist as well, but which is done in a very different, <laughs> a very different Basically way. Basically the same movie. <laughs> right. 
Just uh, a lot more genital stomping in uh, in Antichrist. <laughs> Man, that was a fucked up. You know what though? He's fucked up. He we have yet to see a movie of his. What was it? I saw the House of the Jack Belt just got a Blu-ray release. Finally, <laughs> after all this time, they just put it out. But um, <laughs> wow. yeah, so so this movie, it's them. Really, there's there's some things going on that you're kind of like, oh, maybe maybe this is this way, maybe it's that way. But really what this movie does is it builds so much tension all the way up to the end and then does yeah. not disappoint when you get those last couple of minutes of film. It's yeah. and I don't want to say anything about it because that's you it's worth it to see it with no idea whatsoever with what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's how I watched it. That's how most people, I think, watch it because also the, the plot doesn't really sound that interesting. No. And yeah, like you, like you said, for the most part, I remember watching this movie. I was kind of in, in a bit, which by now I think is probably weird, but when I watched it, I was kind of disappointed for the most part because I've heard that this is like one of the big horror movies you have to see. Yeah. And it's on so many lists and I watched it. And yeah, it's... It's not a horror movie for the most part. It's about two people grieving. That's what you get for yeah, the most part. Yeah, and it's part. like I said, it's a, it's much more psychological because she yeah. talks to, they meet that couple, and she talks to the one sister who says she's a a psychic, and the the wife, um, Donald Sutherland's wife in this, is like really intrigued by this idea. She's like really into like, oh, maybe she's trying to communicate with us. And he starts having kind of weird flashes that we see throughout. So it's all much more psychological than it is horror up yeah. until you get near the end of it where things get fucking crazy and awesome. Yeah, where it kind of tr uh, goes crazy. But yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's a good movie. It's a, it's a great movie. And I think it, it fits on a list after all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So that's it. That's uh, 41 through 50. We've got that, and then yeah. next week we'll be uh, we'll be going through fifty one um, through sixty. Which holy shit, is there a lot of good stuff on this list? <laughs> if you look at yeah. um, everything that's on there, it's very actually everything from then on out. I've seen almost all of them. There's only one that I haven't seen, but that's much further down the list. Well, um, I I actually for the next for the next episode I gotta do two two more that I have to see. So uh, uh, okay, you can tell me what they are after. We'll leave everybody yeah. else in suspense. <laughs> um, so cool, man. That's, uh, that's 41 through 50 of the 101 horror movies you must see before you die. So check them out. Give it a go. There's a few on that list. And if, uh, you've never seen Night of the Living Dead, make that your number one priority. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you've listened this far and haven't seen that movie, uh, yeah. I think there's, you're not really listening. You're just like, I, I don't know, know though. Sometimes you're my co-host and I'm like, how have you not seen this? <laughs> and we're doing the show together. And I'm not even talking so much about this list, but just in general, some of the things where you surprise me, you're like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. What, what, what? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> all right, so if you want to get into contact with us, you can, what is it, on all the social medias, IHOH Podcast, <laughs> and if you want to email us, IHOHpodcast at gmail.com. If you would jump onto Apple Podcasts, leave a rate and review, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, and that's really it. That's really it. We'll be back, uh, yeah. we'll be back next week um, with more horror movies for you. We're going to keep working through this amazing list. Hopefully you're watching along with us, some of these things you haven't seen because there's a lot of good stuff there. So for the yeah. International House of Horrors, I've been Joe Merle. And I've been Josh.
And we'll be back next week with more things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre.